Kraus pumps once, is in trouble, eludes a tackle, gets out of the end zone, he's to the 5, he's to the 10, Kraus to the 15, out across the 20, Kraus to the 25, out across the 30, 35, 40, look out, he could go, he's to the 40, he's to the 30, he's to the 20, he's to the 10, he's all the way! On the end, the snap is down, the kick is up, the kick is get that way, and the kick is makes it in there 57 yards out of school record to put the Huskers in front 33-31. To the near side, Kellogg gets a shotgun snap, final play of the game. Ron waiting for the wideouts to get downfield, launches the throw down toward the goal line, going up. Ball tipping. Touchdown! Jordan Western Camp! Nebraska wins the game on the final play of the contest! Here's Wiley's kick, it's high, it holds up there, Rogers takes the ball at the 30, he's hit and got away, back up field to the 35, to the 40, he's to the 45, he's to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 20, to the 10, he's all the way home! Holy moly! Man, woman, and child did that, put him in the aisle! Johnny the Jet Rogers! That just ends abruptly, doesn't it? I love Welcome it. Welcome, everybody. Great, great intro. It was, uh, you know, all of those plays are back from when we were really good. <laughs> yeah, you might have to go uh, a little bit farther to find the Maryland ones, the Maryland uh, really, really good highlights. So hey, welcome to Five Points of Contact, everybody. It's our weekly preview show in which we preview our upcoming game with one of our opponents, people that know more than we do about our opponent, and our opponent this week is the Maryland Terrapins. Uh, I'm joined by Emmett Siegel of Testudo Times, which is the SB Nation Maryland site. And uh, the first thing you're going to do is teach me how to say Tua's brother's name. Okay, so we'll start with the first name. It's it's pretty simple. It's uh, Talia. So emphasis on the Leah. That's what, that's what people call Talia. it. Talia. 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 That's it? And then I, I, that, Every that's time it, I yeah, see this cool. written, it, it just like 14 vowels in it, and I have no idea what to do with it. If you so were to, uh, to accidentally call him Tua in a press conference, I can assure you that you would not be the first person to do so. So and if, if you, do you want to venture into the last name or do you want to you want to jump ahead? <laughs> Tulia is good enough. I mean, everybody's going to know who we're talking about. That is right. the guy that makes everything go for Maryland, isn't it? Isn't he? He's, he's certainly the, the face of the team. He's definitely the most well-known player of the team. And, you know, naturally with the quarterback position, he's, yeah, I would say, you know, like the head coach has said, um, like a lot of his teammates have said, the team kind of goes as Talia goes. And uh, the team has not been going in the right direction recently. And you can't attribute that all to Talia, but, but it's certainly, certainly a factor for sure. So, yeah, what is going on over there? You guys started 5-0. and and now you've dropped your last four. And this weekend, this weekend is going to be the meeting of two five and four teams. 
one of those teams is going to be bowl eligible and happy, and the other one's going to be, I don't know, filled with anxiety and dread. Is that a good summation of what we're looking at here? I think it is. I think it is. Um, unfortunately, I think Maryland might already be there. Uh, <laughs> I think these, these really? last four games have been really, really frustrating for the Maryland fans. I know I've seen the last couple of weeks, we've seen some, some good meltdowns in the comment sections. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been pretty brutal. I mean, you lose to Ohio state to start the losing streak, which is, I mean, you lose to Ohio state. There's, there's really no shame in that. They were actually pretty competitive for three quarters, right. but then right. you lose on homecoming to Illinois, who at the time hadn't won a big 10 game yet. Then you lose on the road at Northwestern after the bye week, which you had assumed was going to be a win. And then Penn state comes to town and just wallops you. Um, everything's kind of going wrong for Maryland right now. They're kind of trying to hold it together and get to the six win mark. This seems like on paper, maybe their best chance to do it, but going to Nebraska, going to Memorial stadium is like, that's no, no easy task. And I think the spread is like a pick them right now. Um, I think a lot of people are, are, are losing a lot of confidence in this Maryland team, to be totally honest. So what, why is it gone so wrong? I mean, Let's face it, losing to North or Northwestern. I mean, we beat Illinois. We beat Northwestern. I'm shocked that Northwestern has won as many games as they had because I expected them to collapse. Well, last week we lost to Michigan State. We, we were their first Big Ten win, and you know you don't know what's going on with our team. But what? Why has it gone so downhill? Do you think it's, it's been kind of a, a confluence of things? Um, the defense, which looked really good at the start of the season, has been picked apart. Um, injuries were part of that, but, you know, against Northwestern, um, whose starting quarterback was out, their backup quarterback was was dicing up Maryland's secondary. He threw for, uh, I think, close to 300 yards, had a couple touchdowns. Penn State's offense, which, you know, obviously super, super talented, especially with the running backs, but Penn State's offense is not explosive, at least it hadn't shown right. to be explosive. Maryland allowed them to have probably their best performance of the season, at least recently. Um, last week against Illinois, which couldn't get anything going, you know, that they, they were able to move the ball. Um, and you know, once again, Ohio state's kind of an anomaly with, with how talented they are and right. Marvin Harrison and all that. But yeah, the defense has not been playing well. Um, the offense has really lacked explosive plays. They're not running the ball very often against Penn state. They threw the ball, I think 40 times and ran it. I want to say, I want to say they handed the ball off seven times for negative yardage. So they're just they're they're kind of straying from what made them successful last year, which is running the ball, play you know play action, um, deep shots with with Talia, you know being able to get the ball in your skill position players' hands. It's just like nothing's working for them right now. They're they're trying to push all the buttons, but kind of just getting the same result. Yeah, I saw the negative forty nine yards rushing for against Penn State. Uh, Talia got sacked several times, which contributed to that. Um, you know, I thought Mike at, at the beginning of this year, you know, I pointed out that, you know, when we do our previews for the season, I pointed out that, you know, Mike Loxley has done a good job at Maryland. He's been building the program. They've been getting better. Uh, they just need to beat one of the top three teams and just get over that hump. And now it looks like it's a giant step back. I mean, how does everybody feel about Mike Loxley? You know, there was kind of a sentiment among a lot of people that Mike Glocksley was the perfect guy for Maryland, at least when they hired him, just because he was hired. Uh, the program was in complete turmoil. 
Um, DJ Durkin was fired. Uh, right. They had a player. They had a player die in practice, and you know it was a whole. The university president had to resign. It was a complete disaster. And Mike Loxley steadied the ship, started building up the talent level. He had a reputation, still kind of has it as like an ace recruiter, especially in the DMV area. So he's able to keep a lot of the top guys around. Um, you see, you know, some some really highly rated recruits. Uh, he had a recruiting class in 2021 that I want to say was top 20 nationally. Caveat to that is that pretty much everyone from that class transferred, but it was still, you know, a good, it was still a good, good harbinger of what could come. But then you started to see NIL comes along, which hurts Maryland a lot because Maryland is not very competitive in the NIL space. Um, But they still have, they still have a talented team going into this year and expectations were very high, partially, you know, burdening his, you know, Mike Locks was kind of burdened by his own expectations. They had improved their win total each of the last two years. They right. won seven games in the regular season last year. Then won a bowl game to get to eight. This year, it felt like outside of the Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, that they would at least be favored in pretty much every other game. But it has not gone to plan at all. And you're starting to see some more conversations be had about is Mike Loxley the right guy moving forward for the team because you haven't seen any improvement. I mean, Maryland, this is before Loxley as well, but since Maryland joined the Big Ten like 10 seasons ago, they haven't beaten a ranked opponent within the conference. So, you know, it's at a certain point, you have to start narrowing that gap before you have to start looking elsewhere and and wondering if Maryland has the right guy at at the top to, to, you know, keep them really competitive moving forward. So how, tell us how I, we talked before we started that it's now, you know, basketball season started Monday night and Nebraska really doesn't pay much attention at all the men's basketball particularly how how does Maryland view basketball versus football so basketball is the biggest sport uh, at the University of Maryland I mean the football football is like a, it's a big deal there's no doubt about it I mean it, it's you know this it's an ACC school historically but but it's still Big Ten football and, and Maryland still really cares about football but the best way I describe it, because we do have, you know, obviously a lot of conversations about this kind of stuff when we're, you know, talking about how we're going to, you know, cover everything for the site, right. and, you know, what we're going to promote and everything. Um, the best way I can describe it is that when football and basketball, March aside, because March is kind of its own beast, when football and basketball are in their own seasons, it's kind of the same fan base. But when they're both being played at the same time, basketball takes priority because Maryland is for all intents and purposes, a basketball school, even though they've prioritized football financially recently, they built this huge, beautiful $200 million football facility. And they happened to finish it right when NIL came along and no one cared about facilities anymore, which kind of hindered them a little bit. Um, but Maryland is at its heart, a basketball school. You have a national championship in the past 20 years. Um, you have a couple final fours, you know, even though they haven't necessarily been at that level recently, um, still one of the top, you know, 25 ish programs in the country. So, um, the ceiling is so much higher for Maryland basketball than compared to what it is for football that I think fans just get a lot more invested in it. That's not to say that they don't care about football though. Maryland fans do care a lot about football. I just get the sense that around here you have two NFL teams and and those kind of drive a lot of the football conversation. Okay. Before we actually get into the team stuff, I, I asked, you know, I, I pointed out in the comments section that they're usually quiet. They're usually going back and forth and asking all sorts of questions, and they're not doing that this time. We're on the verge of going to a bowl if we beat Maryland. That's our goal for the season. 
And Dion Pryor responds, we are chill now. What the hell are you guys doing in the comment section being chill? <laughs> Do I, I don't get it. This You know, I, this year has been the most bizarre year for Nebraska because in football, uh, there's not been a lot of buzz about football. I think it's that people have uh, – well, Minnie says, ask him about their wide receivers, please. We'll, we'll get there, Minnie. People have been very quiet compared to what they usually are. I mean, we're doing, you know, we're doing fairly well with the YouTube support and stuff like that. But the Nebraska fan base, their tickets are available for this game for like nine bucks a piece. That's which is, unheard which is of. It's crazy because I know that, you know, at Maryland, all anyone can talk about when it comes to football games is how hard it is for them to get fans out. I mean, Last week was the first quote-unquote, I'm using quotes here, sellout of the season, and it's about a 50,000-seat stadium. I would estimate there are probably 30,000 Penn State fans there. And I know Nebraska has that famous sellout streak and everything. That's very actually surprising for me to hear. Well, that's a sellout streak. It doesn't mean butts in the seat. And I, you know, I had tickets to the Maryland game. I was going to go. I lost a transmission in my Jeep this week, and it's really kind of, it's kind of screwed everything up. So. I live in Minnesota, actually. But um, wow. all right, let's go. We got Talia, the quarterback, and he's – everybody, I think, knows who he is. Does anybody in the comment sections doesn't know who Talia – Tagulia, Tagiola? So, okay, so it's a little <laughs> tricky, but it's uh, – so say like tongue, like like the, you know, in your mouth, tongue, tongue. of Iloa. It's, it's kind tongue of a – Viola. Oh my God! It's, it's a tricky one. You can just say Talia or Leah. I will go with Talia. Okay, about. you got Talia, the quarterback. That's a pretty much set guy. He's the guy at quarterback. He can throw the ball. He's mobile. And what do you have for an offensive line? Let's start there. So last year, Maryland's offensive line was one of the most experienced they had had in a long time. They returned every starter from the year before. This year is about the complete opposite. They returned one starter. They lost a couple guys um, to graduation. They, they had two guys drafted into the NFL. Um, they had um, some. They had another starter transfer, and they had a guy who was probably going to be a starter transfer as well. So they brought in um, they brought in some FCS, some D two transfers to to plug into starting roles. Their left tackle is their only returning uh, starting offensive lineman from last year. He's probably their most sure piece there, but otherwise, it's kind of been like plug and play. Trying, they're still. I mean, what is this? This is the tenth game of the season. They're still kind of trying to figure out how to make that that unit work. Um, has not been all too impressive. Been a little bit better, I would say, at, at least in pass protection, maybe in recent weeks. But um, has not has not impressed the way that maybe last year they were able to run the ball really effectively. And th this year, running the ball has been a chore for them. They have not been able to to run the ball with with any sort of efficiency. Hence the 40 passes and seven rushes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially right. because Josh Gaddis is their offensive coordinator who, at least when he was at Michigan, obviously different personnel, but when he was at Michigan, had a reputation for like everything is through the run game. Now it's like the complete opposite. So are your running backs, are they healthy? Are they decent? They just don't have holes to run through or what's the deal? That – that's what my diagnosis would be. I mean, they are a good running back group. Last year, uh, Roman Hemby, who was the lead back, rushed for almost a thousand yards um, in his first. He redshirted his first year, so that was his first full year um, starting. And then Antoine Littleton is a is a bigger back, but he was really effective as well. You have a couple guys that you can 
you would think rely on. I mean, people were talking about Roman Hemby as potential all big 10 kind of player this year. And it has not at all panned out. They're not even giving him the ball. And when he's getting the ball, he has nowhere to go pretty much. So that leads us to receivers. Did yeah. Any, tell us about the receivers. So a, a lot of turnover there too. Um, Maryland has developed a reputation at least locally of kind of like a, a good place where you can go. If you are like an elite recruit or something like that, that they can put you in the NFL as a receiver um, and they can thank Stefan Diggs for, for that. Um, and DJ Moore as well. But, you know, last year you had Rakim Jarrett, who's a five-star recruit, uh, Dante Demas, who was really, really good when healthy, but he's coming back from, from an injury. Um, you had, you had Jacob Copeland. Hey, I'm just naming names now, but all right. those guys are, are gone now this year. It, it's a lot of new faces. And then one familiar face, Jay Sean Jones is still on the team. It's his sixth year. Um, he's had a couple injuries. Um, he's kind of the leader of that group, but then Caden Prather is a transfer from West Virginia. Who's probably their best, uh, deep ball threat. He's probably been about their most productive wide receiver so far this year. Um, and then you got other guys like Ty Felton, um, Octavian Smith, Shalik Knotts. These are like younger guys that are being elevated into bigger roles. Um, Ty Felton's had some, some problems holding onto the ball. Um, but you know, they had another transfer come in Tyrese chambers. He's no longer with the team. He quit the team during the bye week um, for, he had his, he had his reasons, but, but he's no longer okay. with the team. Um, so it, it's, they haven't been necessarily as dynamic and gotten as much hype as maybe in recent years. Um, Maryland fans were even trolling like the LSUs of the world, which, you know, they're not on that level, but trolling them is like, we're the real wide receiver. You, um, that is not, that is not the case, uh, at least not this year, but, but it's certainly a talented group. It's probably, if I had to say probably their deepest position group on offense, at least. So you have the quarterback, you have the receivers. Yeah. Why, why so many sacks against Penn state? I mean, why did they just blitz and blitz or your offensive line just can't block four or five or what, what's the deal there? It's probably a little bit twofold in that they threw the ball a ton. So there's a lot of dropbacks um, because they were playing from behind. And then also you have like the deadly combination of an offensive line that really has not impressed and, and has been kind of trying to figure itself out versus I mean, arguably the best defensive front in the country, you know, one of them that was even missing. I mean, they're maybe their top edge rusher, edge rusher, chop Robinson didn't even play in that game. He was part of that 2021 Maryland recruiting class I was talking about. And they transferred to Penn state. Um, he didn't even play, but Penn state's defensive front is so, so good at generating pressure um, that it was just kind of a deadly combination. And, and Talia was, you know, kind of scrambling for his life back there. Okay. Before we get to the defense, let's see. Uh, Travis Turner comes in with not sure how to feel about this game. Really close, leaning toward an L at this point. This is this is the mentality of Husker fans. We're all beat up from the Scott Frost years. We shouldn't have lost everybody. I okay, I'm speaking for me. Everybody, including me and the turd in my pocket, thought there was no chance of us losing to Michigan State, and we lost, and it shattered a lot of our souls. Okay, me and the turd in my pocket when I'm speaking in plural, probably, but. Uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. Uh, Moonbat7 or Moonbot7 says, I think Maryland is like CU, Colorado. I'm picking them to beat us. See how damaged we are here? I'm not yeah, sensing a, a ton of optimism right now. Yeah, it's, you know, you'd think we'd be homers. Uh, Dion Pryor again. Maryland has a good offense. Well, I guess we're going to find out. James Boardman says, 
Isn't that a Donny Iris song, Tolia? You're not old enough. It was Ah. I don't think I am. I think the one Ah, I'm read. Ah, Leah. It was like a. It's a lesser known uh, '80s song. It was a pretty good song, though. Uh, Let's see. Carl Pants. The problem with Maryland is their mascot. Huskers have Herbie and Little Red. What the hell is a terrapin? Uh, It's a turtle. It's a turtle. A diamondback terrapin. It's like from the Chesapeake Bay area. Is there something special about it for people that don't uh, know? We don't play Maryland a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe more of the divisions are going away, but uh, it's just like it's just some snapping turtle from the area. I think like some former school president just liked it or something like that. There's a couple statues of it on campus. Husker JPEG says Maryland will be a lot faster than Nebraska. It will be a long day unless Rule and Satterfield figured out how to commit to making a run game go to play keep away from Maryland. 60 runs, 10 passes. Well, you know, we'll we'll get into that in a little bit uh, more. So defense. Let me get that comment off there. Defense. How's the defensive line? Um, Probably a little bit better than anticipated. Um, they, you know, it seems like I'm kind of saying this about every position, but they lost, you know, a lot of their guys from last year um, on that group. Some veteran guys maybe that weren't like super, super productive, but um, were at least familiar. Um, but they've, they've been all right. I would say I didn't really expect much at all from them. And they've been able to generate a little bit of pressure, at least. Um, one guy to keep an eye on is Donnell Brown. He was a transfer, an FCS transfer that made the jump. And he's been he's been really impactful. Um, and then you got a couple other guys that, you know, I don't, I don't need to list all the names, but on the interior of the line, you know, they're, they're, they're all right. It's nothing to write home about. It's kind of like a, it'll do the job kind of, kind of group. But, um, but I'd say their, their defensive pressure has been a little bit better than expected, but, but nothing that's going to like win them a game. They're not going to go out and get like, you know, six, seven sacks in a game. What do, what do you guys run for a base? Is it four, three? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, linebackers and defensive backs. Tell me, so, you have the worst pass defense in the nation. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Yeah. So the um, the the secondary. I'll start there. Uh, the secondary. Um, their top two corners were both drafted last year, so they had a lot to replace. Um, they brought back Tarheeb Still, who is you know probably their their nickel corner last year, who back playing a lot more outside now they brought in a transfer uh jaquan shepherd who was like an all conference guy at cincinnati um he has not been all too great to be totally honest with you um their their cornerbacks have been just okay um and then their safeties were coming also both those guys are back from from last year they're two starters bo braid and dante trader uh dante trader interesting story he also plays across for the for the school um but but those two guys are back bo braid is is has that potential to be like really, really good. But like you said, like they have not been that, uh, that great this year, they've been battling injury, but, but even so the secondary hasn't been, um, too, too special. And then, uh, the linebacker group, you have some really good players in there. Like Jay Sean Barham is only a sophomore. Um, he's the kind of guy that I would totally expect to play in the NFL last year. He was a freshman, all American, like really, really, really good player. Um, and he's been, he's been decent, but he plays more on the, the interior. So he's, you know, his, his stats don't necessarily jump out. I don't know why they don't put him outside more. We've, we've asked Loxley about this a couple times. He's been very adamant that they don't want to do that. Um, but he's pretty effective when he gets out in space. Cause he's a, an incredible athlete, 
then you got a couple other like older guys, veteran guys, seniors, fifth year players kind of filling that, that spot. But, but other than Barham, the linebacker group is, you know, they're kind of rotating a lot of guys in there and it's kind of just, you know, plug and play to be totally, to be totally frank. So what worries you about this game? I mean, where do you, first of all, first, let me ask this. What's your impression of Nebraska going into this game? Um, I mean, my impression, obviously from afar, you know, because Maryland and Nebraska, like you said, don't play all too often. So they're not super right. familiar with each other. But um, my impression from Nebraska is, you know, you got new leadership, obviously. So, you know, maybe a little bit energized there, but but off to, you know, not, not, not off to like an amazing season, but in the Big Ten West, I kind of, you know, from, from from the perspective of a team in in the Big Ten East, I kind of view a lot of the Big Ten West teams as like very similar to each other. It seems like there's like a ton of parity and anyone can beat anyone there. Um, but I don't That's know. Maybe a nice I'm a way. Bit... That's a nice way of saying we all suck. <laughs> I don't think you all suck. I, I don't want to say that. Wow. But, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't believe that. But uh, no, I think Nebraska and Maryland are like very different teams but the kind of teams that like probably match up pretty well together and it should be a, a close game. I honestly, I, I mean, I know that all of the Nebraska fans, at least in the comments were saying how they have, you know, no, no confidence in this game. I don't think you could find a Maryland game, Maryland fan that has a ton of confidence in this game. So I think whoever wins is going to be really surprised that their team actually won a game to be totally honest. <laughs> oh my God. You realize Nebraska's offense can't score. Yeah, well, it, it seems like Maryland's the team that every time, you know, at least over this this stretch that uh, every team they play, at least on the TV broadcast, um, the commentators are like, this is the best game that the opposing quarterback has played in his career. Like, it seems like Maryland's the team. Like, if you need if you need a, a get-right game, that's what they've been the last couple weeks. Okay, well, when it comes to Nebraska, here's the thing. Our defense <clears> – <throat> gosh, excuse me. I think our defense is very good. Uh, they've been early on in the season. They started playing like 25 guys a game. So the defense has, you know, they're well-rounded. They have a number of players that can just fit into rules and know what they're doing. Uh, it was shocking that Michigan state that we gave up some explosive plays because all year long, we've given up very few. Uh, Tony Wyatt, our defensive coordinator this week actually got angry with his defense and said they played like you know, they didn't play well, and he was very – what he, he used the word bull crap, I think, if, if I remember right. But the thing is, is we only gave up 20 points to Michigan State. I mean, if you looked at it anywhere out there and said your team's going to give up 20 points, you would go, oh, well, we probably win. But no, Nebraska's offense can't score, so we didn't win against Michigan State. Um, uh, our The pro biggest – well, I'll put it this way. We lost our two top running backs. We've lost, I think, our top three or four wide receivers. We've lost three offensive linemen. I think there's only two guys that are left that are starters from the original 11 that we started the season with. And our quarterback, to say that he's a work in progress is, well, it's, you know, if, if being kind was right here, it's right here. So, you know, that's the problem with Nebraska. Uh so I think if you go into this game, I mean, that's you probably pegged it right. We're all going to be watching this game, which is on Peacock. What do you think yeah, of that? Yeah, so I don't know if we'll all be watching it, but but a lot of us will at least. 
I know a lot of Nebraska fans that are up in arms about the Peacock thing, you know, because of the whole streaming. I got to pay another six bucks. You can get a trial, you know, whatever. But uh, that's a big thing to us because everybody does at least watch the games. And and this, I think I mentioned to you before the show that you could get to tickets for nine bucks. Well, yeah, we brought it up already. Um, okay, we went through the we went through the offense. We went through the defense. Uh, anything on special teams? Um, Maryland's punter's pretty good, Colton Spangler. Um, he's a very solid punter. Um, the return game has been pretty unnoteworthy. Um, punt returns have been, you know, they're just kind of fair catching the ball. Um, they had one kickoff return for a touchdown earlier in the season against Virginia. It was a freshman, Braden Wozlowski. It was like a 100-yard return. Um, that was pretty cool, but that's not – they're not really kicking the ball. You know, nowadays everyone just kind of lets it go out of the end zone. Um and then their their kicker uh, last year they had an amazing kicker Chad Ryland who's now kicking for the Patriots um, he was an incredible kicker one of the best in the country um, this year their kicker is Jack Howes um, he's got a pretty strong leg but he's incredibly inconsistent you know he'll go out he'll he'll shank a thirty yarder and then he'll drill a forty eight yarder with fifteen yards to spare he's kind of like an enigma is the best way to describe him um, the special teams unit isn't isn't all too noteworthy other than the fact that their punters you know, pretty reliable. Uh, well, I'd say for us, let's see. Well, we fit, we rarely return the punts. I mean, here's the thing, Michigan state, we have a guy named Billy Kemp. He's one of our probably best players, but he's injured, but they still put him out there to fair catch the ball. And, you know, a couple of times he fair caught it inside the 10 when there's like nobody around him. So you're kind of like, what the hell are you doing? And then of course our crappy offense, they can't score and can't, you know, can't can't keep possession of the ball. They just can't run very well. They can't throw very well. Uh, I mean, I, we can all make fun of Iowa's offense, but I, I don't know. You know, I the Iowa Nebraska game is going to be like three to four or something. That's literally going to be the score of the game, and it's going to. Uh, you know, I, I was I was telling some people this uh, this week because I think it's hilarious. You know, the the Iowa Northwestern game. Um, you know, they had the over-under in the 20s when it finished. Um, I was curious during the fourth quarter. I just went on to um, – I forget what site, but I, I, I went on just to see what the live over-under was in the fourth quarter, and it was seven and a half for the entire game <laughs> in the fourth quarter. So um, I, I don't know. It, it, you know, I know I know you're not confident about your offense, but it might be kind of insulting to, to put them in the same realm as Iowa. I mean, what well, is that? I mean, we scored one. We scored thirty-one points against Purdue. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing about this team is, you know, last week you can, they, I think they kind of played flat. They looked very flat, uh, and they didn't. I don't think they played well. But you know, against Purdue, they, they did score thirty-one points. I don't know. So you, we don't know what to expect, and I, I think that's the key with everybody being a little freaky. Special teams for us, like I said, Billy Camp goes back there and normally just we, we do a lot of fair catching. We do, on the other hand, uh, we go after the punter a lot of the times. We haven't been successful except for once uh, blocking a punt. We have blocked the field goal and returned that for a touchdown. Uh, let's see. Our, our field goal kicker, Tristan Alvano, Tristan Alvano true freshman, uh, struggled earlier in the year, but he recently made a 55-yard field goal. And, you know, so I think they're – again, it's a little bit – well, good grief! It's inconsistent. So yeah. I don't know what else to I don't I don't know what else to say about Nebraska. Uh, 
I don't know. We usually go for an hour. Everybody's really quiet. And we're going to, we're going to, of the times, the way each team is trending. Well, that, that is true, but it's, wow. I'm shocked. Uh, Mike Fitz says any creative play calling signs we should look out for. Is that a uh, is that a Connor Stallions think, reference? I think it might be a Connor Stallions reference, but it it might also be you know is there do you guys run trick plays that kind of stuff? Um, not too often. I feel like they. If I'm remembering correctly, I think there's been a couple of flea flickers run against Maryland, um, but I don't think Maryland Maryland doesn't get too creative. Um, they last year they threw a ton of screen passes. I know a lot of people are really upset about that. You know, kind of like the mentality of like get the ball in your best players' hands. Um, this year, it hasn't hasn't been too creative. They're throwing the ball deep, probably more than they should, just because Talia is not a great deep ball thrower, and you know they have guys that that are they're fast and, and can get can get open downfield. But I haven't really seen them convert. Like I can't remember the last time I saw Talia convert a pass that had more than you know thirty air yards on it. So really. Um, Maryland's offense has like super explosive players. They haven't really shown it recently though. Okay. Oh, good grief. Let's go. Nebraska strong. Go big red says 35 to 10 blowout W for big red. As long as sloppy Sim stays on the bench, we have a quarterback, our starting quarterback to begin the year, Jeff Sims. Uh, eh. He basically threw away the Minnesota game. You know, what was that score in that 13 to 10? And yeah. it, he had, I don't know how many turnovers, three or four crucial, horrifying turnovers through one ball directly to Minnesota when we were at the one yard line. Uh, but everybody now can't stand him. He came into, oh my God, not this week, but the week before he came into the game and the only points scored were uh, him getting tackled and being stripped of the ball, which was then taken for a scoop and score. So um I don't know. Again, it, it's, uh, you know, I'm not sure what – we're all lost in Nebraska. Basketball <laughs> well, well, turnovers, season – yeah? Turn, turnovers are a thing uh, with Maryland's quarterback as well. Um, the thing about Talia is that he's – his turnover numbers have gotten a little bit better over the past two years, but I've never seen a player only turn the ball over in high-leverage situations as much as he does, like against um, – against Northwestern, despite playing terribly, not necessarily him, but just the team playing terribly the whole game. They managed to get, you know, they were driving uh, down the field with less than two minutes left. He threw an interception to end that game. Um, against Penn State, they were kind of hanging around, and then a couple straight turnovers. It, it just completely gets out of hand. That's kind of the, the story with Talia is that everyone's kind of like waiting for the mistake to happen because you know it's going to come. He is kind of turnover prone. Um, his decision-making isn't always – the best. I mean, last year and the year before that, it was much, much worse. But that I, I mean, I don't know if Nebraska's defense is is you know amazing at generating turnovers, but if it is, that's you know something that that could really screw Maryland over, especially later. I in think the game. I it you know what the problem is is it's hard to tell. Yeah, a lot of it's like luck based too. I don't. I I think that our defense is good at you know we're very good at stopping the run. Uh, we've been very good at well we've been very good at overall defense. But one th tackles for loss, sacks. One thing we have not been great at is takeaways. Uh, you know, three turnovers against Michigan State. I don't think we picked up one from them. Uh, but 
that that is one area which our defense could improve a lot. So is this Talia's last year? So like I think everyone thinks it is. There's a little bit of like the COVID year. People are a little bit confused about. It. I'm pretty sure this is his last year. Um, this is his fifth year of college. He had a red shirt in there too. So he might technically have another year left, but I, I would I anticipate that this is his final year of college football. Does he, you expect him to get drafted high? I don't expect him to get drafted high. There, there's a chance, maybe. There's a lot of quarterbacks this year. Rounds, but you know, to be totally honest, I don't think he's a great pro prospect. He's a pretty solid college quarterback, especially compared to what Maryland's had, at least for the last 30 something years. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, they had a linebacker playing quarterback, throwing the ball to Stefan Diggs about 10 years ago. A linebacker was a starting quarterback. So, you know, Talia is, is he's statistically the best quarterback in Maryland history. You know, there's a lot of people that would dispute if he actually is, but um, he's, he's a good college quarterback. I don't think he's, his brother, you know, he's not his brother. His brother is is a is a surefire, you know, great NFL. Right. Player. You know, they're very so, different. Players. What what do you expect out of this game? I expect it to be pretty close. I I I, I do. Um, you know, I think that I think that you know, it's it's Maryland can score. We know that Maryland can score, but we also know Nebraska has a good defense. We know that Maryland's defense has not played all too well, but. Nebraska's offense has not played too well either. So I expect it to be close until the end. I think it probably, like I said, comes down to turnovers, you know, just who makes fewer mistakes. Because Maryland's really been killing itself recently with some of the mistakes with, you know, penalties are a problem. Um, turnovers in, in key moments are a problem. I mean, it, it's just, and it's also like the time that they happen, like against Penn State, they, you know, they, they go for it on fourth down on the first drive and then Penn State scores. But then like a couple of, drives later they're driving down the field with a chance to tie it and they fumble inside the 20 yard line you know it's stuff like that it's it's opportunistic mistakes that have really killed maryland so i get the sense that this game will be close and that'll probably come down to who makes the big play in the fourth quarter to win okay panfilo two says what is maryland's run game like and i think what we're hearing from emmett is uh, their run game is pretty much non-existent just because well, they don't have an offensive line like ours to open holes, and they do have talented wide receivers and a quarterback that can get the, get him the ball if he's not under pressure. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. I think that they have they have good running backs. They just I'm not sure they have what they need around them to give them space and, and stuff like that. All right, I'm going to take a couple more comments. Let's see. Minnie says. I'm so excited to see our defense take the field after TW, Tony White, that's our defensive coordinator, said he was going to unleash them. I Unleash them, wow. Yeah, unleash them. I, I wasn't aware that he kept them leashed before because, you know, compared to the year, the guy we fired, the previous regime, uh, what you see from Nebraska's defense is you see guys swarming to the ball and you you know it used to be in the past where you'd have one guy in space the other team would beat our one guy there'd be nobody else there uh now there's there's usually a bunch of guys there uh they get good pressure on the quarterback uh at the beginning of the season i would say that our defensive line mo most people have said this about nebraska at the beginning of the season our defensive line doesn't have enough depth and it'll be a real concern because teams will be able to run the ball 
that's been completely blown up because the defensive line has played very well with the, the guys they have have played incredible and people haven't been able to run the ball at all against us. Um, I mean, except for Michigan because they knew all the plays ahead of time, obviously. Exactly. Uh, that's the only reason. <laughs> Not, funny story about that. Um, yeah. So we, um, you know, Maryland hasn't played Maryland plays Michigan next week. Um, so Maryland hasn't played Michigan in this whole, you know, scandal situation, but, um, you know, Maryland obviously has lost to Michigan all but one time since joining the conference. But um, we had an opportunity to talk to Talia instead of at the podium, just after practice. It was more casual. Um, and there were only like two or three people there, um, me being one of them. And we asked him what he thought about the uh, the Michigan sign stealing thing. And I don't know if he was being honest or not, but he, he claimed he had no idea. He was like, oh, what happened at Michigan? Um, we explained it to him. And then um, – and then his response was, well, I hope that's why they beat us. And, you know, I'm not sure I had the, I'm not, I didn't have the guts to tell him that that might not have been the reason, but, uh, but yeah, that aside. Well, I, what was the score? 42 to seven. Nebraska played really flat against them. In fact, our coach after the game basically said, you guys played so disinterested. We are going to practice on Sunday in full pads. And he told the scout team, uh, don't take it easy on them. Go kill them. We're not doing this anymore. If you guys are going to play that kind of football, then we're going to give everybody a chance at starting positions. And it really made a difference to them. I mean, you could see that uh, I think the next week they played Illinois and they had a goal line stand at the, you know, at the foot line. And that was the turnaround, I think, for our defense. The offense is just, it's a mess. In fact, here's, here's one guy that says, uh, Nebraska strong. Go big red says Satterfield he needs to absolutely be fired. The play calling against Michigan state was poop or shit. I don't know what that is. It's an emoji. It's the only emoji I really understand. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I will say this. I, you know, I don't, we're always anxious to fire coaches. I don't think anybody likes their offensive coordinators. I've said that several times. I don't know what anybody expects from Satterfield. Uh, I mean, he's lost so many players. He doesn't have a quarterback. He's lost two running backs he was going to depend upon to hopefully gain yardage to begin the year. Uh, and not only that, if we fire our offensive coordinator, that would make four offensive coordinators in four years. And that's not really any way to build consistency in a program. And if you no. want to, you know, I, I, no, I guess – I don't get the hate for Satterfield. It just sounds silly to me. Well, uh, Maryland's offensive coordinator last year was uh, was Dan Enos, and he lasted eight games at Arkansas. So, you know, maybe they made the right decision to let him go. But didn't they just beat, like, Florida for the first time in their school's history at Florida in the Swamp or something, something after like they that, let him yeah. go? He yeah. got fired after they, uh, they lost a game, I think it was 7-3. to three. So... I don't, I don't know. Well, maybe when Nebraska loses seven to three, maybe you could start ramping up the conversations. Uh, okay. Same guy, Nebraska strong, go big red. We are going to get several sacks against their very weak protection. Uh, did they do anything to, to avoid that? He's mobile, right? Do they roll him out a lot? You know, Talia is really good at evading pressure. Um, he does this, he always like spins to his back shoulder. He has like this one move where he rolls out left, does that all the time. Um, he is mobile. He doesn't scramble downfield all too often. Um, 
but I don't totally disagree that I think Nebraska will probably generate a decent amount of pressure and probably get a couple sacks on him. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, Aaron Rastafoskosti, uh, by the way, this is one of our baseball writers at Coronation, says, Sat is coaching a scheme he barely knows with a second-string offense. He's doing an amazing job. Uh, do you guys cover baseball? We do, yeah. We, we try to cover no. pretty much every sport. Okay. Because when that comes right, Nebraska loves our baseball. We don't, like I said, we do cover a lot of men's basketball. I want to see us cover more men's or cover men's basketball, even though it doesn't generate the clicks. If we were doing this for a living, uh, we probably would barely, barely uh, cover it, honestly. But uh, I, before we go, I'm going to ask you how, what do you think of your basketball team. But Minnie comes in and says, I'm excited to see Malachi against this defense. Nebraska does have some young wide receivers, uh, uh, Jaden Doss and Malachi Coleman, two of them very fast. Malachi Coleman is very freakishly athletic, but he's also young, so he hasn't played very much. Uh, well, here's another one for Nebraska strong. Go big red. Emma, do you think Maryland will load up the box against Nebraska to stop run and make us throw the ball? Um, I think that, you know, if, if what you all are saying about, you know, Nebraska really not being able to move the ball through the air, um, is true. And especially if Nebraska's offensive line is pretty solid, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Maryland's Maryland's secondary, you know, I, I, I wasn't too complimentary of it. It's not bad. Um, it's, it's good enough to hold up, you know, against, against a lot of teams and actually held up very well against even Ohio state until Marvin Harrison jr. Decided to, you know, become Marvin Harrison jr. In the fourth right. quarter. But, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would expect that, um, Mar Maryland's really just kind of looking for like anything to get back on track right now. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they just start, you know, trying to push every button they possibly can and, you know, switch up the defense, whatever it may be. <laughs> So who do you have left after us? Uh, Michigan and then Rutgers on the road. Michigan's at home. So what, what do you think? Uh, I'm obviously Michigan. I, you know, the whole sign stealing thing has been, I, you know, it's been shocking, I guess, for me. I always looked at Michigan and, I, you know, I kind of believed the Michigan man bullshit about we're <laughs> high integrity. Right. You know, I'm 61 freaking years old. You'd think I'd be smarter than this, but no. Not until this year. Now it's completely destroyed. Every time I hear the phrase Michigan, I'm, I'll think uh, that I need to put my wallet in my front pocket, not my back. But uh, what do you think of that whole situation? I mean, you're going to have to play them after us. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm, I love it because I love the theater of it. And it's one of my favorite parts about college football is just the the unseriousness of, of a lot of it. Um, I think it's hilarious like the, the whole Connor Stallions thing, if that actually was him on the central Michigan sideline, or um, I don't know if you saw this most recent report today that he was running some sort of vacuum business out of his house or something. And Blake Corum maybe was involved, whatever it is. I think it's, I think it's hilarious. You know, I think that whether or not it actually gave him a competitive advantage, it's still Michigan. They're still super, super talented. Like I think they're, I, I don't know how much it actually helped him on the field. Um, I kind of do buy the, to a certain extent, the lone wolf situation, you know, aspect of it where I'm sure Harbaugh like knew about it, but I don't get the sense that this was like their secret. Cause to be totally honest, they're probably not the only team that's doing something like that. Um, I'm more they interested. They built a spy network. 
They built it like a whole spy network, it's, man. It's 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 really 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 funny. That that's that's my biggest takeaway from it is that, um, and this was this was a really good column that was written in the, in the Washington Post by Stephen Godfrey. If if you're familiar right. with him, um, he wrote a really really good column, which was like Michigan, regardless of their punishment, their biggest punishment is that they can no no longer say that they're the ones doing it the right way and call everyone else the cheaters, because now, like you said, like Michigan man is synonymous with some, you know, used vacuum salesman filming sidelines. So <laughs> that, that, that's kind of where I stand on it, to be totally honest. I don't think it's, I don't think it affects their play on the field that much. You know, I keep thinking I've, I, I sell t-shirts, you know, I sell this hoodie, this is my icon, I copy corns. I keep thinking that um, I should come up with a Michigan t-shirt. Uh, and sure I, you know, there's no shortage of ideas, I'm sure. There isn't. But you know what? I just thought of it. The whole vacuum thing. Do you remember Spaceballs? Uh, I mean, not. I saw it when I was much younger. And Okay. Well, at some it. point at some point in the movie, I think it's Dark Helmet, who is supposed to be like Darth Vader. Uh, yeah. Rick Moranis. I think, doesn't he turn and he says, it's time to turn it from blow to suck. <laughs> That's it. I'm thinking Jim Harbaugh on a t-shirt with a vacuum. We've gone from blow to suck. There That's you go. Cool. I'm sure okay. if, you, if you can tap into the Ohio State market, you'll be rich. You won't have to do this podcast anymore. But I, I'd love it. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, oh, she's gone from suck to blow. There you go. Aaron, Aaron, our baseball writer, got that in there. Okay. Nebraska strong is uh, if Huskers lose, John has to wear a Maryland T-shirt for the whole week. I don't have any Maryland T-shirts anymore. My own in terms all of my, Big Ten schools that like have the crossover. Like I don't think the Maryland brand has made it out to Minnesota or Nebraska yet. I think we probably still got still got some years before that happens. So, do you regret this? The ACC to Big Ten jump. You know, I think like. For years, Maryland fans did nothing but complain about it. You couldn't see it. You couldn't have any discussion about Maryland without hearing someone complain about how they should be in the ACC because they were, you know, a founding member of the ACC. They had some real rivalries in there. Um, but now you're sitting here looking at like conference realignment and everything, and it was the luckiest decision they ever made. It, I mean, it might have saved the athletic department. Um, they they were cutting sports and everything. They were in huge debt. And I think they still probably are in a little bit of debt. I'm not sure if there's an athletic department that isn't, but um, it, in retrospect, it was the right decision because if they were still in the ACC, they would be begging to be let into the Big Ten right now. So how I got I have to ask this. Well, how has it affected basketball? You do think you guys are competitive in basketball? You know, I I think you know for us, I guess I pay attention to men's basketball. I think last year's game against Maryland was really it was a fun game. Um, you know, we're not that great this year. We're supposed to have a better team. I refuse to believe it until I actually see it happen. Cause I've heard this for so many years and we're still the only team in power power. What is it now? Six. Is it still power six? In basketball, people will say six, but yeah, kind of we're the day. only team that hasn't won an NCAA tourney game. You guys continue. You've won uh, the big 10 in baseball last year. Have, how do you think it's affected your baseball program? If at all. Um, I mean, ACC baseball is, you know, probably second only to the SEC, you know, maybe the big 12 is in there as well. Um, 
But Maryland baseball has like become really, really good. Actually, um, they've been putting guys, you know, getting drafted recently, uh, making regionals. Um, coincidentally, their their only two times they've ever advanced out of a regional was when they had an ACC caliber team and they played in the Big Ten for like two years. Um, so they were able to stack a lot of wins. But they're they're good now. Um, I don't know if that's because they joined the Big Ten or, or what it is, but. Um, at least results-wise, they've been about as good as they've ever been the last couple of years. All right. We'll probably wrap it up. Do you guys have, If you guys have any more comments, get them in. We will still uh, – Greg and I will still be doing a, the five-art podcast on Thursday nights. Wednesday night, I'm still trying to do previews with our opponents. We have Wisconsin and Iowa left. Uh, Wisconsin's shocking loss to Indiana. I don't even know. They, 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 that's the know. thing. The Big Ten West is just like – what the hell are you doing this week? Are you going to show up sober to these games and play? What the hell? You know. Sometimes it doesn't look like they are, to be totally <laughs> honest. But I mean, it's it's beautiful, though, right? It's college football in, in a nutshell. It's, it is. Like That's true. Ten, the top of the Big Ten West and the top of the Big Ten East are like stylistically, they couldn't be any more different. But they're going to have to play for the championship, right? Do you want to make a prediction? Uh, for the Saturday? Sure. Yes. Uh, I'll say I'll, – to be totally honest, um, I think I left the Penn State game kind of thinking that Maryland is going to end its season on a seven-game losing streak. It's just – it's really felt like that. Um, but I do think this game's going to be close. I just – Maryland on the road, the way they've been playing right now, I'm not sure I totally trust them. So I'll, I, I'll say Nebraska wins, but I could see it going either way. I'll say Nebraska wins first score. I'll say it's pretty low scoring, like – Maybe maybe twenty to seventeen, something something in that realm. Um, but I, I can see a scenario where Maryland wins. I do not think I think this is like a fifty fifty game. To be to be totally honest, right? I agree with you on that. I think it all comes down to how much we turn the ball over, and we turn the ball over a lot. Unfortunately, I I'll go with Nebraska. I think I what did I say twenty four to ten against Michigan State, and that sure as hell didn't work. This this one's going to be like twenty one to seventeen. Uh, and Nebraska fans will once again age 15 years in the fourth quarter. So we'll all be uh, – okay, Nebraska Strong Go Big Red, who's taken over the comments, says, Emmett, will you wear a Coronation T-shirt and Huskers hat if the Huskers win? I think the thing you is – you have express shipping? Could I get it in time? <laughs> no, that, that's the problem is we do print on demand. So we do have express shipping, but it does take – you know, the orders do take a while. Um, the thing is, Nebraska strong. He's not a big 10 West guy and we don't see him all the time, nah. which, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, you know, like I, like I said at the beginning, both of these teams are five and four. One of them after the weekend is going to be in a, a bowl eligible. And we're not counting five and seven as bowl eligible, even though it looks like, they might allow teams of five and seven to go to a bowl. I think, One of them is going to be bowl. I think Maryland and Nebraska are probably uh, lobbying the NCAA hard to deny James Madison that waiver. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but well, okay. Monica says uh, thank you, Emmett. There you go. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This was this was a lot of fun. Yep. I feel like I learned a All lot right. about uh, the the heartbeat of the Nebraska fan base. Oh, my God. Now you can go tell people, well, it's not that bad. <laughs> we have a chance, you know. They can't score, whatever. All right. Thank you, Emmett. Take care.
Uh, this you, has Josh. been five points of contact, and uh, there you go. We'll still be on tomorrow night with the Five Heart Podcast. I'll see you all then.